Welcome Matters With. I'm your host, Philip Bryan. Today, we're here to discuss Trek Matters with you. Happy Star Trek Day. September 8th, 1966 was the first day Star Trek was broadcast. And to celebrate, I'm going to rank and grade every Star Trek feature film. To do so is a bit of an undertaking, so let me share with you a bit of the method I'm going about, the way I'm looking at it. If you were to write a paper for a survey history class in high school, and then submit that same paper to an AP history class in high school, you'd get very different grades. If there's any mainstream franchise that is AP sci-fi, it's Star Trek. 13 films, 8 television series, 3 animated series, and 1 short form anthology series. So, my grades and comments might seem a little critical. Alright, let's go. Or, make it so. Wait, before we do... Before we do, please like and subscribe. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, and if you know Trekkers who like to talk Trek, please share this video with them. Engage. Number 13, 1989's The Final Frontier. This is not a good Star Trek film. This is not a good film by nearly any measure. I'm not going to beat it up and berate it. There are a few cool shots. There are some fun interactions between the characters. However, all in all, the story of Spock's brother stealing the Enterprise so he can go find God lacks spirit and is not something I can recommend in good faith or any faith. I give it an F. Number 12, Nemesis. I want to love 2002's Nemesis. It has all the makings of what should be a great Trek thriller. We have Captain Picard, played by Patrick Stewart, leading the way against... Tom Hardy as Shinzon, a, a what-if, mirror-image, youthful, evil version of Picard. However, it fails to live up to its potential. So despite the acting tour de force by both the protagonist and the antagonist, the film falls completely flat. It's as if the director had no idea what makes Trek tick. I give it a D. Number 11, 1998's Insurrection. This film could have been higher on the list. The late 90s special effects are so bad. They take you out of the film. Look, I don't, I don't care if your special effects from 1998 look dated today, but when they looked dated on opening day in the theater in 1998, it's alarming and it shows how much care the studio held for this project. As far as the story goes, it's fine. The Enterprise crew discovers the Federation participating in some very non-Federation morality at the expense of a peaceful planet and race. The crew of the Enterprise refuses to comply and be complicit in this, in this action. And had this been a two-part episode of the television series, I'd have liked it. However, nothing about it seems cinematic. Not a thing. That being said, the scene between Captain Picard and Admiral Doherty, I struggle to say that, between Captain Picard and the Admiral is classic track and exceptionally good. Yet, one good scene does not save a well below average film. That scene deserved a better film around it. I give it a C minus. Had it been some rando TV sci-fi movie, I'd be singing its praises. Number 10. 1979 Star Trek loves its visual effects and it shows. The film aged poorly for many years and then found new life in many people's eyes, including mine, with the 2001 director's cut. 
This is a good 70s sci-fi film. However, it's not a good Star Trek movie. Captain Kirk is not likable. Commander Spock doesn't seem like Spock until nearly the end of the movie. The rest of the characters don't seem to live comfortably in their skin and are not a reflection of the characters we knew from the television series. In fact, five-year-old Philip Bryan, when he first saw this movie, I wanted to know who the guy pretending to be Jim Kirk was. My mom and stepdad had to convince me that that's Kirk. That's how much this did not seem like the character I knew. Now adult me sees that the script just did not hit the mark on Kirk and didn't cater to his charm and Shatner was unable to infuse it into the film. As a generic sci-fi film, this is a B. Solid B. As a Star Trek film, it's a C. At best. Number 9. Into Darkness. 2013's Into Darkness would be lower on this list if it wasn't for Zachary Quinto and Benedict Cumberbatch. Quinto's version of Spock here is his best take on the character thus far, and Benedict Cumberbatch is fantastic. But he's not who I see as Khan. And once I was able to remove that preconceived notion of how I see Khan and just view his portrayal, he's chilling as a Star Trek villain. Pine as Captain Kirk is solid, as is the rest of the cast. Carl Urban as Dr. McCoy is spot on and hits every beat. The story makes sense for a while, and then it goes off into the land of absolutely no logic and little emotion. The film tries really hard to cash in on the magic of having Khan as the big bad. He is the grandest Trek villain of them all. However, despite the great performance, it mostly falls flat. The great moments don't string together. The film is a lot of empty. It's a C. Number eight, Generations. I don't think I have ever been as excited walking into a theater to see a Trek film as I was 1994's Generations. Captain Picard and Captain Kirk working together to save the fabric of space and time. It was going to be fantastic. It turned out being enjoyable. Shatner and Stewart both give good performances. Brent Spiner has a few fun scenes as Data. The The bad guy here is a mad scientist named Soren whose plan never seems like it's going to work. That He never seemed like he had a shot at succeeding at all. If the studio had spent a little more time fleshing out the script and a little more money on the film, it could have been a rock solid A. As it is, we the audience can actually see where they cut corners and rushed absolutely everything. As far as Trek movies go, I give it a B minus. Should have been an A. Could have been an A. Number seven. 2016's Beyond is the tale of two movies. It starts off fantastic. It moves like a top-notch Trek story in any medium. And then as it progresses toward the end, it starts to falter. Yet, the character interactions between Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy, fantastic. The moments between Commander Spock and Dr. McCoy are, are even better. I like this movie. It's better than its reputation. The crew of the Enterprise is on year three of their five-year deep space mission, and it feels like a movie version of a TOS episode in a good way. I give it a B-. Speaking of films that are better than their reputation, that brings us to 1984's A Search for Spock at number six. This film gets a bad rap for its pacing. Well, I, I say that's because of where it sits in the timeline and where it sits in the franchise. The title tells you everything you need to know about the plot of the story. Captain Spock is dead. Or is he? If he's not, you can bet your last bottle of Saurian brandy, or Altair water, that Admiral Kirk and the crew of the Enterprise are going to find out. 
no matter the risk. And for Kirk, the cost of that risk is extremely high. Shatner's good in this film. We have not seen Kirk this vulnerable since the city on the edge of forever. If the Wrath of Khan, the search for Spock, and the voyage home were the only Star Trek films ever made, nothing before or since, they collectively would go down as one of the best film trilogies of all time, rivaling anything. Anything. However, wedged between Khan and The Voyage Home as a standalone film, The Search for Spock, solid B. Number five, 2009 Star Trek. The film is seen by most as a reboot. I still see it as a sequel. We follow Ambassador Spock back in time behind a rather unreasonable Romulan captain and his crew. This sets up an alternate timeline in which we get to see an elder Spock meet a young Jim Kirk and even a young self. Sure, it doesn't tackle issues like some Trek, but it's a fun adventure and a love letter to Trek as a whole. The entire cast is on point, the humor works, and it inspires smiles. I give it a B plus. Did I say humor? Yes, I did. That brings us to 1986's The Voyage Home at number four. This is a Trek comedy with a message and lots of heart. Okay, some find the environmental undertones not undertones at all. They find them to be overtones and too heavy-handed. I disagree. I contend that this is a fantastic film that captures the personalities, dynamics, exchanges, and interaction between all the original series characters to perfection. The whole movie is fun, but it does start dark. The planet Earth is going to die unless it can communicate with this really menacing probe of unknown origin that needs to talk to humpback whales. Well, the only way to find humpback whales that are indigenous to Earth alone in the 23rd century is in their past. So we get a time travel adventure, which Trek does a lot. They do it exceptionally well here. This might be the most quotable of all the Trek films. Leonard Nimoy, who directed this, is second only to Nick Meyer as the best Trek movie director of all time. The Voyage Home is the first film on this list that gets an A. The aforementioned Nicholas Meyer directed two of the top three Trek films. Any one of these movies, one could make an incredible case for them to be in the top spot. In the bronze position, we have the highly respected movie franchise building, Wrath of Khan from 1982. Everything they got wrong in 1979, they got right in the follow-up. Admiral Kirk is conducting an inspection of the Enterprise as Captain Spock and his senior crew are training many young officers. A distress call goes out, and our old friends are on a mission. Soon they encounter Khan, played to the hilt by Ricardo Montalban. This film incorporates so much of what made the television series great without feeling or seeming or presenting as an extended episode. Everything about it is cinematic and executed so well. It harbors what is probably the most famous scene in all of Star Trek. For many years, I considered this to be the best Trek film of them all. It, of course, gets an A and sits at our bronze medal position. Number two. Jonathan Frakes directed 1996's Superb First Contact. This is Trek action adventure at its best. The pacing is brisk without compromising story or character. The entire TNG crew lives in their skin so well, and they don't miss in a single moment. The exchanges between the fiercely focused Picard, the crew, the environment, and the featured players is organic and true, riveting and gripping. The dispute between Lieutenant Commander Worf and Captain Picard on how to proceed is a defining scene and moment for both of these great characters. 
The Borg Queen is a top-tier villain, and Alice Krieg embodies all of her intellect, viciousness, creepiness, and unnerving, simmering appeal to perfection. First Contact is an A and owns the silver medal position. Number 1. 1991's The Undiscovered Country was a 25th anniversary celebration of Trek. What a celebration it was. It is my number one Trek film. It gets an absolute solid, rock-solid A, and it holds the gold medal spot. The TOS crew all hit it out of the park. Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy are framed for political crimes and sent to a Klingon prison. It's up to Captain Spock and the crew to solve the crime, weed out the real culprits, as Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy try to perpetuate an escape. It is a tight and wonderful political thriller. Nick Meyer's direction is sharp, and this is Shatner's best performance as Kirk, as he faces his own notions and prejudices that stem from the death of his son years earlier in the events of The Search for Spock. Sidebar. And this film could have been even better. If Savick had not been replaced in the story by Valeris, this film would have been even better. This is a great send-off to Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, Chekhov, Scotty, and Sulu as portrayed by their original actors. I love this film. And to be honest, I love the films I gave poor scores to. You know why? I love these characters. Thank you for watching. What are your three favorite Trek films? What is, what is your favorite Trek moment in a movie? What was the first Star Trek movie you saw in the theater? We'll talk soon. Second star to the right, and straight on till morning.